And I hope you guys have been enjoying the series that we've been on, the series where we've been talking about grace and how God has afforded us all different kinds of grace and the meaning in our life as a result of them. We talked about a saving grace, a sustaining grace. We talked about a healing grace, which is a grace that God allows us to have so that we can heal from our hurts and our past. And last week, Pastor David talked about a liberating grace of how we can let go and how we can just relax because God loves us. Well, today I want us to look at offering grace. You see, the Bible says that God didn't just intend for you to receive it. He wants us to pass it on. So if you've ever been blessed by God, if you've ever been cared for by God, and certainly if you've ever been forgiven by God, God wants you and I to pass that on to others. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 10. He says, give as freely as you have received. So whatever you've been given by God, you are to offer to others. And that means everything. Well, this morning, I want us to think about in particular about forgiveness, because I think you all would agree with me that that is the most that we receive than anything else. In fact, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive those who trespass against us as we forgive those who trespass against No, say that again. It says, Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass. Thank you, Marlon, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Yeah, thank you. And the reason that's important is because there's a lot of shoddy thinking about forgiveness out there. You know, a lot of myths and a lot of misconceptions. And when it comes to forgiveness, some people just tend to water it down. You know, it's we live in a society that we're seeing an epidemic of this. You know, it's like a cheap grace. It's like an abusive grace. And it's making forgiveness apply to anything and everything so much so that forgiveness ends up meaning nothing. So we walk around and we talk about the cross and what Christ did for us, and we say Christ forgave you of your sins. It's almost like we're immune to it, and we don't really realize it. It's not a big deal anymore. You know, it's almost as if we're afraid that somebody somewhere might feel guilty for a second. So we just go around being politically correct and saying everybody's forgiven all of the time, everywhere. And we don't actually go around and say, hey, you're forgiven or you're forgiven, but we do go around saying, it's okay. It's okay that you do this and that, and it's okay that you do that because we don't want to make anyone feel guilty. Well, but today I want us to look at what real forgiveness really is. And before we do that, I want us to take a little pop quiz. It's in your outline, and I'll read it out for you. It's five simple questions, true or false, right or wrong, but except you have permission to change your answer, and you don't have to feel guilty about it. So let me start with the first one. It says, a person should not be forgiven until he asks for it. Is that true or false? Now, that's just for you. And you're allowed to change your answer once you hear the answer. Number two, forgiveness includes minimizing the offense and minimizing the pain caused. Number three, forgiveness includes restoring trust and reuniting a relationship. Number four, you haven't really been forgiven until you've forgotten the offense. True or false? And number five, when you see someone else hurt, it is my duty to forgive that offender. Well, if you were to take the word of God and you were to particularly read through the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read what Jesus said about forgiveness, you would come to the conclusion that all of these five statements are false. That is where we're going to look at real forgiveness and God's offering grace today. And again, before we can look at that, we need to look at what it isn't, because there's a lot of misconceptions about that. The Bible says that forgiveness is not conditional. In other words, based on some type of condition, the Bible says that real forgiveness or genuine forgiveness is unconditional. It is not something that you earn. It is not something that you deserve. It is not something that you buy or that you bargain for. So when you tell a person, I forgive you if, 
Well, that's not forgiveness. You're bargaining. You're not forgiving. Remember, genuine forgiveness is unconditional. It's offered even if it's not asked for. So when Jesus hung on the cross, you guys remember this, he prayed, Father, forgive them for they not know what they do. You know, at that point, nobody had asked for forgiveness. Certainly nobody deserved it. Nobody had bargained or bartered for it. And it was an unconditional offer of pardon. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgiveness also isn't minimizing the seriousness of the offense. It's not saying, oh, it's not a big deal. It, it, it really didn't hurt. Don't worry about it. Because the truth is, if it's worth forgiving, then it did hurt you. It did cause pain, and you don't need to minimize it because that's not part of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is saying, yes, it did hurt. Yes, it did cause pain in my life, but I'm not going to hold it against you. You know, there was a story in the paper a few, a few years back about a man who had killed his father, mother, and his brother. Now, if I were to go to that man and say, I proclaim you forgiving, it's not a big deal, it's okay, and I minimize it, that's not real forgiveness. In fact, that almost sounds insane, doesn't it? It was a big deal. So forgiving isn't saying that it didn't hurt when it did hurt, or it isn't saying it's not a big deal when it's a huge deal. We need to understand that there's a difference between being wronged and being wounded. Wounds, you see, are unintentional. Wrongs are intentional. You're wounded all the time by people accidentally. People say things that hurt you and they didn't mean to say or didn't mean to do. You know, those type of hurts don't require forgiveness. What they require is acceptance, recognizing that we live in a fallen world and in perfect environment. People are going to hurt you and many times it's going to be unintentionally. Forgiveness needs to be reserved for the big stuff for the serious things, for the things that are intentionally hurtful. You know, people mean you harm. That's what you reserve forgiveness for. You know, let's say that you guys don't like the way I dress. And maybe the way I dress offends your fashion sensibilities. Well, I don't really need your forgiveness for that because all I need is your acceptance. On the other hand, if someone hurts you intentionally, you've been seriously wrong, that's what you need to forgive. So whenever you minimize wrong and say, oh, it's not a big deal, you end up cheapening forgiveness. Reserve forgiveness for the serious things. Number three, forgiveness is not resuming a relationship without change. And I think this is a very important one because we often get this one wrong. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. They're two different issues. Forgiveness is not the same thing as rebuilding or restoring a relationship. You see, forgiveness, like God gives to us, we know that it's instant, but trust has to be rebuilt over time. And there's a big difference between forgiving a person and trusting a person. Forgiveness simply takes care of the damage. It's letting the person off the hook, but it does not guarantee that the future relationship is going to be right. That is a separate issue. It takes more than forgiveness for reconciliation. So if you want to have a restored relationship with someone, First come forgiveness. That's your part, to forgive. But on their part, it takes three other things. And the first one is repentance. It demonstrated a genuine repentance. And then it takes restitution where and whenever possible. And then it takes the hardest one, which is rebuilding trust. And that takes time. For instance, if you've been in a relationship where you've been married to either an alcoholic or an abusive spouse, and they've really hurt you over and over again, and that person comes and says, hey, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? 
Well, you say, yes, I forgive you because God commands you to forgive. You see, forgiveness is instant. But if they say, now will you let me back into the house? You say, well, that's a different issue. You need to have some progress here first. You need to get some counseling, maybe sign up for Celebrate Recovery or do something on your part to develop a track record to show that there's a genuine change in your life. See, while forgiveness is based on grace, trust is earned. Now, there's a big difference with that. So if somebody offends you over and over and repeatedly in the same way continues to hurt you, you are called by God to repeatedly forgive them. And we're going to talk about that as well, because that's really hard as well. But you are not obligated to instantly trust them and act like if there's any, not anything wrong and everything is fine and they can just come back in the house and resume the relationship. It doesn't work that way. The other thing that real forgiveness is not is forgetting what happened. Now, I know that some of you have had a hard time of this, a hard time forgiving because you think, if I can never forget it and if I forgive them, then I'll have to kind of resume that relationship again. But that's not true. Forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. And I know you've heard this cliche many times in America because it's very popular. You know, the one that says forgive and forget, which sounds so sweet and nice, right? Except there's one problem with it. It doesn't work. It's impossible for you to forget everything that's happened. The more painful something is, the less likely it is that you're going to forget it. You see, the only way to forget something is by replacing it with something else. In fact, scientists have proven that your brain is like a giant warehouse. It's like a big hard drive with thousands and thousands of file cabinets, and you never really forget anything. It's just always stored there. So the more important an event is in your life, the more likely it is that you're going to remember it. I mean, you may block some things out. You may be able to cause you know, some trauma that might erase some of that events, but they're all there. So if a, if a surgeon was to be able to probe around in your brain and stimulate certain parts of your brain, they can bring back colors, memories, smells, and everything that you experience at that moment because you don't really forget anything. It's all there, folks. So some of you may wonder, when are you going to get to that point where you're so growing up in Christ that you can forget the painful things that happened in your past? When am I going to be so mature that I forget the things that I feel guilty over and the things that other people have done to me? Well, the truth is, and I was already telling you this morning, that you may never forget them. But you see, there's something far better than forgetting. And that is remembering, but not feeling the pain. Remember, but seeing how God worked in it anyway. Remembering and seeing how God brought good out of bad. How you grew in character, how it made you sensitive to the hurts of those around you, how it changed the direction at a crucial point in your life, and how things that you are today are as a result of all the things that happened to you in that past. See, there's something far better than forgetting. It's remembering and realizing the sovereign grace of God is working like it's working in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where it says, all things together for the good. That's even better. Because when I forget something, I don't thank God or praise God. You've forgotten about it. But when I remember something, I remember what God has done in spite of all of that. And I really come to God and I say, like this morning, we sing, we say, thank you, God. Thank you for what you have done in my life. So you see, forgiveness is not forgetting because you probably will never forget it. The fifth thing that forgiveness isn't, and it isn't my right when I wasn't the one to be hurt. And again, this one's really important because only the victim can pronounce forgiveness to the person who has offended them. If you weren't hurt, 
It's not your place to proclaim forgiveness. You see, that is the, it's important that we wrap our hands around this because that is the exact opposite of what culture teaches us because everything in culture says run around forgiving everybody because we're afraid somebody somewhere, some, somehow is going to feel guilty. So we want to just give this blanket forgiveness statement so that nobody in their right mind would feel guilty about something. So we offer forgiveness for things that we didn't do to people we don't even know. I mean, do you guys remember the story many, many years ago of this 14-year-old boy who walked into a high school prayer meeting in Kentucky, and he shot and he killed three teenage girls? The next morning on the campus, the girls had not even been buried. Their bodies had not even been cold. And some students, some some nice-meaning students, put up signs all around the campus that said, We forgive you, Mike. Now, I know those kids meant well. And I know those kids probably thought they were doing the right Christian thing to do. But it wasn't the right to offer forgiveness. I mean, who had been offended the most? How do you think the parents felt about that? I know that the parents were going to come to forgiveness eventually, but they hadn't worked through their grief yet. It was the next day. I mean, how about the younger brothers and sisters of those teenage girls who were killed? You see, it wasn't the student's place to pardon somebody because they weren't the ones who had been sinned against. Forgiveness belongs to those who have been hurt. You know, and also many people don't really understand that forgiveness doesn't remove the consequences of sin. You know, there's many times where we see on TV that there's death row inmates that give their lives to Christ and they ask for forgiveness. But folks, we all know that it doesn't stop their execution. There's still consequences. Or when a person goes out and says, hey, I'm going to go out in life and I'm going to lead whatever kind of life I want to lead. I'm going to lead a promiscuous life. And then they come back and they say, Jesus Christ, will you forgive me of all of my sins? Well, we know that Christ instantly forgives them. But whatever they may be carrying it up until that point, they're still going to feel the consequences of that sin. Maybe a sexually transmitted disease. Whatever comes with that kind of a lifestyle, they're still going to be have to deal with those type of things. Well, what about a person who leaves his wife or husband and children and has an affair and breaks up a marriage and then later comes and says, God, will you please forgive me? I know that was dumb. I know I was selfish. I shouldn't have done it. I was wrong. Well, we know the Bible tells us that they're instantly forgiven by Jesus Christ. But that doesn't remove the scars that come from breaking up a home. It doesn't remove the scars of the children, the scars on both spouses and all others around them. You see, Sin carries consequences. Real forgiveness is not some cheap term that you just throw out and instantly everybody feels better. It is reserved for serious sin and it is reserved for the person whom they were committed against. Which leads us to what is real forgiveness then? I thought it was important to cover what it isn't, but what is real forgiveness? Well, the Bible says that genuine forgiveness, that real forgiveness is remembering how much I've been forgiven. And I know there's a long blank there. Remembering how much I've been forgiven. Because Ephesians chapter 4 puts it this way. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Now, you're not forgiven, we've learned, because you've earned it or deserved it. You're not forgiven because you promised never to sin again. You are forgiven because you have put your faith in Christ. Now, this is the starting point of genuine forgiveness. If you don't feel forgiven, then how are you ever going to feel like forgiving anybody else? If you're hard on yourself, then you're going to tend to be hard on others. But the more grace you receive from God, the more gracious you're going to tend to become towards other people. 
The more forgiven you feel by God, the more forgiven you're going to be. You know, one day a streetwalker came to Jesus and in front of a bunch of church leaders or other leaders took a very expensive box of perfume and she broke it and she started washing Jesus' feet with it. Well, in those days, everybody wore sandals. So the religious leaders were really upset and incensed by this. And they said, first, look at who's doing this. This is a woman of ill repute. You see, she was a prostitute. And number two, she could have taken the box, sold the perfume for money and given the money to the poor And it would have been a lot better. And you would think that Jesus would have agreed with him. But this is what Jesus said. He rebuked the religious leader. And he said, hey, folks, lighten up. That's my paraphrase, of course. That's not the way Jesus spoke. She has has been forgiven much. So she's giving the most love. She'll be remembered. The Bible says that she'll be remembered from this day forward because of her actions. In fact, I'm telling you her story now. It was an act of worship. Because she felt so graced by Christ, she was being gracious herself. You see, it starts with remembering how much we've been forgiving. And we have to know, we understand, and you're all here for that same reason. You will agree that we've all been forgiven a lot, right? Genuine forgiveness is also relinquishing my right to get even. That is a real hard one, but that is the heart of genuine forgiveness. Relinquishing my right to get even. In Romans 12, it says, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God, for he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. Well, does that mean that you give up your right to get even? Well, that is exactly what forgiveness means. You give up your right to get even. You absorb the pain yourself without retaliation. When you say, well, that's unfair. Well, who said forgiveness is fair? There's a word for fairness. It's called justice. Justice is fair. Forgiveness is grace, you see. We don't deserve forgiveness. We deserve justice. And aren't you glad doesn't, that God doesn't really give you what you deserve? None of us would be here if that was the case. You see, we always want justice in everybody else's life, except our own, right? God is gracious to us, and he wants us to be gracious to others. You know, life is not fair, but this scripture that we just read about tells us that that one day God's going to settle the score. He's going to right the wrongs that we see. And I know there's a lot of times where we don't see justice in this world, but God is the God of justice and he's going to get, he's going to even up the score one day. So think about it. Who can get better justice, you or God? Who can do a better job of divvying up the payment for justice, you or God? He's telling you in the scripture, let me handle it. Let me be the person to do that. You just relax. And in the meantime, let me fill you with my grace and let me give you a peace. You see, when you're holding on to a hurt, you're only hurting yourself. So you relinquish the right to get even. The third thing is that you respond to evil with good. Genuine forgiveness is responding to evil with good. In fact, in Luke, it says, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. How hard is that? That's probably one of the hardest things to do is to pray and bless people who have hurt you. Really? How can you tell when you've really released somebody? How can you tell when you've generally forgiven them? Well, when you can pray for God to bless them, that's when. When you come to the point when you can actually pray, bless that person who has hurt me. You'll know forgiveness is complete in your heart. 
when you can look at their hurt and not just your own. I know you guys have heard the saying that says, hurt people hurt other people. So if someone hurts you, it's more, more likely that they're hurting inside themselves. So when you have genuinely forgiven that person, you can look past the ways that they've hurt you and see how their hurting caused them to hurt you. When you can look at their hurt, you know that you've genuinely forgiven them. And you may be wondering, like, how could I ever do that? I mean, that almost sounds impossible. Well, the truth is that you really can't. Because only the God of love could cause you to do something like that. You guys all know the love chapter, right? It comes from 1 Corinthians 13. And we all, you know, read it at weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. Verse 5 says, love keeps no record of wrongs. You know, a guy was having a big argument, big argument with his wife. And the next morning he went into the office and he told his buddy, hey, last night my wife was getting all historical. And his friend said, you mean hysterical, right? He says, no, historical. She told me everything that I ever did wrong. Do you guys ever do that? Probably not, right? The Bible says that when we do that, that we're not doing it in love. Remember, love keeps no record of wrongs. That doesn't mean that you forget the wrongs. It just means that you don't use them as ammunition. It means that you don't pull them out and use them to retaliate. You know, what most of us like to do is to forgive a hurt, but then we hold on to it and we stockpile it. Later on, if something goes wrong and if we get accused of somebody saying, hey, you did this to me, then we can go back and take this out as ammunition and say, well, remember when you did this to me? But the Bible says that when we do that, that we're being hateful because love keeps no record of wrongs. And there's a fourth thing that's part of genuine forgiveness. It's not just remembering how much I've been forgiving or relinquishing my right to get even or responding to evil with good, but it's also repeating the process as long as necessary. Probably the hardest one of all is forgiveness to do. You see, forgiveness is not a one-shot event. How long do you have to keep forgiving a person? Well, you do it as long as the feelings of revenge keeps coming back. In fact, in the Bible, we know that Peter asked this of Jesus. It says, Peter asked, Lord, how often should I forgive somebody who sins against me? Seven times? Well, Peter's thinking that he's being really generous here because the Jewish law said that you have to forgive a person three times. So Peter doubles it and then he throws one in for good measure. But this is what Jesus says, not quite. How about 70 times seven? The translation of that is how about 77 times? The point is that you do it for infinity, for as long as it takes. You have to keep forgiving that person until the pain stops and the desire to get revenge goes away. You know, you can come to a service like this, or you can pray in your quiet time and say, Dear Jesus, I know that bitterness is bad for me, and I know I need to forgive them. Lord, I forgive that person, and five minutes later, we want to kill them again. Well, then what happens? You have to say it again. And when the memory comes back, you say it again, and then again, and again. You just keep doing it until the pain goes away. And if they really hurt you, then we know that it's going to take more than once. Because the memory is going to keep coming back. You have to repeat the process as long as necessary. And what if you say that, well, I've forgiven them, but why do I still hurt? Well, I'm going to suggest to you this morning that maybe you haven't really forgiven them. You have to keep forgiving them. Every time you hurt, you go back over in your mind and say, God, I forgive them until you actually release them. And I know that sounds pretty simple, but we all know that that is certainly anything but simple because genuine forgiveness, folks, is never easy. 
So when we talk about God's forgiveness in the cross, that he died for our sins, you know that it wasn't easy. So that's what we need to talk about forgiveness this morning because we need to wrap our hands around so we can understand what it actually is. And you see, I have no doubt that in a crowd this size, there's a lot of you that are carrying deep hidden wounds. You're carrying some pain that you've carried for months, years, maybe even decades, maybe since your childhood. Yet when you think about that person who hurt you through betrayal or rejection or abuse or whatever, it's still as fresh as if it had happened yesterday or maybe even this morning. The pain is still there. Yes, you still hurt and you're still filled with resentment. So what are you supposed to do? How are you going to get on with your life if that's the case? And you maybe say they hurt you so so much that you may say, why in the world should I forgive that person who hurt me so much? You have no idea, Carlos, what they've done to me. And you're right, I don't. But I'm going to suggest to you that you should do it for three reasons. The first reason why you should forgive them is because God has been gracious to you. He is gracious on a moment-by-moment basis. If you can't forgive, you need to pause for a minute and realize how much God has forgiven you. You will never have to forgive anyone else more than Jesus Christ has forgiven you and me. Maybe what you need to do is stop for a minute, consider that you haven't always gotten what you deserved either. God has been gracious with you. And the Bible says that because you've been forgiven by Christ, you are compelled to forgive those around you. The second reason that I suggest you forgive that person is because the alternative is bitterness. We know that one, that one doesn't really work. I mean, scientists tell us all the time that the most unhealthy emotion that anyone can have is bitterness. It always hurts you more than anybody else. It's like taking cancer or fire and placing it into your heart. It's eventually going to eat you up. And while you're stewing and while you're fretting and while you're resenting and while you're thinking even of retaliation, revenge, and you're rehearsing that pain over and over in your mind, they, what, what happens to the other people that hurt you? They go on their merry way, probably oblivious to the fact that you're feeling that way. You see, you're not hurting anybody but yourself with that resentment. The Bible says in the book of Job that you're only hurting yourself with anger. You see, resentment is not going to change the past, no matter how much you resent it. And resentment is not going to solve any of the problems right now. It isn't capable of resolving any problems. Resentment doesn't even make you feel better. We know that. We know that's a fact. In fact, it makes you feel worse. It robs you of joy. It allows that person in your past to continue to hurt you. And that actually sounds kind of dumb, doesn't it? Because they can't hurt you anymore unless you allow them to. Resentment, folks, doesn't work. Bitterness doesn't work. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews, Be careful that none of you fails to respond to the grace which God gives. For if he does, there can very easily spring up in him a bitter spirit, which is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many others. And who are those many others? It's our children, it's our husband, it's our wives, it's our loved ones. The third reason why you should forgive that person is because God expects you to do it. In fact, Matthew 6.15, Jesus said it like this, For if if you forgive men when they've sinned against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I don't know how to make it any more clear than what the Scripture says already. 
Forgiveness is a two-way street. Jesus says we cannot receive something that we're unwilling to give. So you see, it's for your own good that you forgive that other person. You know, and the fact is that we're all going to be hurting in life. The only question is, is what are you going to do with those hurts? If you hold on to that hurt and you let it kind of build up in your life, you're going to end up a shriveled up, bitter and hateful person. And we all know what happens to them. Everyone wants to spend all of their time around them, right? No, it's the other way around. Nobody wants to spend time with them. So they end up being alone. But you see, something else happens that to me is probably worse. If you don't release that person through forgiveness, if you don't release them, you're going to start to resemble them. Because that's what, that's what bitterness does to us. You know, we say things like, I'm never going to be, and then you fill in the blank. My dad, my mom, my brother, ex-spouse, whoever it may be. I'm, gonna, I'm never going to be like that person. And who are you focusing on that whole time? Well, the Bible teaches us that whoever we focus on, we move towards. And whoever we move towards, we become. What you resist, persist. So you have to let it go for your own sake. So as I close, I want to do a prayer of forgiveness. And I'd like you to follow me. It's a prayer of liberation. It's a prayer of freedom. It's a prayer that can change your life, in fact. So if you feel that there's something in your past that you haven't forgiven for, or if there's something in your past that you haven't asked for forgiveness for, maybe this prayer is for you. And in a morning like this, when we get the true meaning of what genuine and real forgiveness is, maybe it's time once and for all to settle the score and just literally and bring it all to God in your heart and in your mind. Well, if that's you, why don't you repeat this prayer in your heart? Will you pray with me? Dear Jesus Christ, you know that I've hurt others. And you know that I've been hurt by others, Father. You know that my resentment has made me act in ways that have been unreasonable, unhealthy, and unhelpful, Father. I need your power to release and forgive those who hurt me so I can stop letting them control me. Father, would you please replace my hurt with the peace of Jesus Christ? God, I realize that I've hurt a lot of, pe a lot of other people with my habits and maybe my bad decisions and my hang-ups. Father, would you please forgive me for the way that I've hurt others? Help me to make a list of those that I've that I've harmed and in the right way at the right time, just humbly seek to make amends. Lord, and if people here have prayed that prayer, Lord, I just ask that you would give them a peace knowing that you have forgiven them once and for all. And as you have done that, Father, now we can walk out of these doors and go out and forgive others for the grace that you've offered unto us. Lord, I ask that you bless every single person in this room in such a way that they would be able to feel your embrace, Father that they know that as a result of hearing your word, your word that speaks truth into our hearts, Lord, I pray that they would be able to plant it in their hearts and that it would make a difference as they walk out of these doors. They, they would be transformed by the renewing of their mind, not as a result of anything that's happened here, but just your word and your word alone. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.